All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk really quick about our sponsor, and that's Patch Chunky Shop. Uh, Patch Chunky Shop is an Etsy shop that specializes in uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags that you can stick your patches to. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's www.patchjunkyshop.com and use the promo code Salumis for 10% off of your order. Once again, that's S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. Um, I want to also talk about Skype. That is who we've been using as of late to do these podcast episodes uh, because we want to exercise caution and really pay respect to the social distancing and the different types of uh, rules and regulations that are going out there right now. Uh, we chose to use Skype to hold a lot of our episodes so Skype isn't the only platform out there that will allow you to do this kind of stuff. So if you have anything like Google Hangouts, if you have Zoom, uh, tons of other platforms out there that will allow you to connect with other people and really get whatever message that you have out there. Or if you just want to connect with any of your friends and loved ones, there's tons of platforms out there. But if you want a good example of one, Skype is what we've been using, and I highly recommend that. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode 899 of the Salumas podcast. That is so weird to think that we've done 101 full episodes. Anyway, today's episode is about space, specifically the space between how close something is to us physically versus how we think or perceive it. You see, it's very human for us to not think much of things that aren't really affecting us or our circle. And I believe that it's part of why there is still doubt and in some cases disregard for the magnitude of COVID-19 and its effect on the world. Chris, Mark, and myself bring different points of view to this discussion, we all can agree on one thing. What's happening right now has afforded society the opportunity, for better or worse, to have a real look at itself in the mirror and to see the real flaws in our humanity. It's caused many people tons of stress, but at the same time, it's given others tons of clarity. We believe that we will eventually get through all of this, but for now, our job as a Salumas team is to put as much of what's happening through the grinder and give you all content that'll make you think. So without further ado, we present to you episode 899, Mental Distancing. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yee-hee. How's the Yeti sound? That's good. Sounds really good. Got it on the um, unidirectional setting. I was, your, uh, the other day, yours sounds super good. It sounded better than my Corsairs. Dude, put it on the uh, bi-directional where it's okay. front and back, and okay. then or the um, it's not the bi-directional. It's the one, the second from the Which right. One? Yeah, that one right there. Good, you're good. Damn, you got a nice camera, dude. Yeah, I said Brio, you should get one. <laughs> Probably seventy million dollars. Stupid expensive, man. It's like, <laughs> but it's the only one that does that. It's the only one that does the face login. Yeah. It's like the only one. There's no other manufacturers out there that they're offer one. So yeah. we got a bunch of them that work for executives that like to log in with biometrics. You know. Yeah. So whatever. This doesn't sound echoey or crazy. Or it's just just the room is, but there's no way to get around that. It's fine. I think yeah. it's gonna be this fine. It does my sound, sound like okay. Yeah, yeah, your I mean, sounds perfect. You didn't yeah. sound. I don't even hear any background noise. Dog, yeah. and, and all I've got is my phone and my little Apple earpieces, man. Damn. Well, yeah, it's 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 made to move, man. Yeah. 
I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, we're all doing good. So, how's everyone doing so far? You guys doing all right in the quarantine? Man, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maintaining. That's good. Trying to stay productive and everything like that. So, everything's been good. So, if you guys saw, and obviously you both saw it in in our group chat, I wanted to talk about... um, so, um, you know, everyone's doing a lot of social distancing, but I also think there's some mental distancing that's going on as well. And uh, before really going into my definition or the theory behind it, I want to get both of your opinions on what you think mental distancing is for you, given this situation. Well, um, for, from my viewpoint, you know, I've. I've spoken a lot about it and it's kind of at this point, it's become one of my little catchphrase cliche kind of things. But I certainly believe that as organisms, we have a finite number of fucks that we can give Uh, Mark's point um, that he's mentioned more than once about people's capacity to care is, is very much like shares a border and a lot of overlap with that same concept. But, um, I think the mental distancing you have, it's biologically, it's a, uh, it's self-preservation. You can't Mm -hmm. bear the weight of the world as an individual organism. I mean, you'll just go up in fucking flames. That's why I feel like, again, as a civil servant, I have a finite number of fucks that I can allocate out and I have to be discerning about where I place them because you can't you can't be functional if you do that kind of shit through perpetuity to your own detriment. Um, I'll to scale it up even more, uh, in theory, no, not even in theory in practice. Um, you talk to the average person living a life. We'll say that there's not a pandemic going on. You talk to the average person and everybody would agree that children in Africa dying, of preventable disease is a bad thing. Like thousands of children dying from easily preventable disease, like things that we take for granted in, you know, the more modern nations. Uh, and I, and I say across Africa, obviously there are certain elements of Africa. Nigeria is a big economic powerhouse as far as that continent is concerned. But, Africa is an example because brown people, let's be honest, as far as the media is concerned, um, the shit that we're spoon fed here in the United States, there fundamentally is seems to be even more of a disconnect for brown people whenever they're struggling than whenever white folks are struggling. Because when shit popped off in France, um, everybody had a profile picture was like, I stand with France and I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about like terrorist attacks and shit. Um, people are like, well, I stand with France. Buck wild shit is going on in motherfucking Africa and the Philippines and all over the place all the time. But you just, it's almost like people have accepted that as a reality, right? Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, is that in theory or in practice, we know that that's a bad thing. We know that all them kids dying is a bad thing, but it's, and this will lead into something that we've already previously discussed prior to hitting the record button, but it becomes an abstraction that, that 
those people become numbers. And what you do with those numbers, you can either you can have the normal human reaction like, okay, I'm part of this human experience where I acknowledge certain fundamental realities like killing another person is a fundamental thing, like not to survive, but just killing somebody is a it's a big no, no, it's a universal fucking no, no. Well, not giving a shit about children dying, I would say, is same level of universal no, no type shit. But you don't have people walking around every day just lamenting the fact that there are all these kids dying. You know why? Because it's not fucking in front of them. They're not, they don't, they don't see it. They don't experience it. They don't know anybody that's experiencing it. However, if you find people that have gone and worked for like, um, what is it? Uh, well, just, just traveled abroad and, uh, used their efforts in a humanitarian capacity. They tend to come back and that is deeply ingrained in who they are as a person. Like it, it that it, it transcends yeah. the, the abstraction at that point. It becomes again, and, and this is going to be the alley-oop to Kalu to discuss some things here in a minute, but it, it, it's concrete. It's just like if you grow up in poverty, you understand the struggle. You understand it's concrete. People that haven't grown up in poverty can still, still be like, oh, that's bad. That's mm-hmm. not a good thing. And still vote or or espouse a belief system that supports disparaged people. But it's an abstraction. Whereas those of us who have actually had to fucking struggle, it's a much more concrete fucking thing. And then again, further to that point, further to my long-winded Kilbourne-esque way of saying shit, me working in the field that I work in, I see things every day. Um, I understand statistics. So I put all these pieces together and I internalize them and they're very concrete to me. And my acquaintance with what I perceive to be reality is very different than somebody that isn't a civil servant that isn't out here fighting this shit. Um, and, and, and that's the thing is what, where is the pivotal point um, where that abstraction is put to use? Because that abstraction in and of itself is innocuous it, it's neither bad nor good. It's, it's basically some kind of stale entity that exists that you acknowledge, but it isn't put to work in any capacity. Sure. However, however when, when, you, when you throw empathy to it, when you, when you take that abstraction and you understand, dissect, and implement elements associated with empathy – for that abstraction and apply that and tend the garden you can touch. Um, I think that that's where you can kind of bridge that disconnect. And sure. what, what we're dealing with right now is a nation that is built on that disconnect. It is fundamentally, even within our, our communities, you don't even have to go over to Africa. Like you don't even have to translate that. The motherfuckers up the street, you don't give a shit about. Mm-hmm. You do in theory. 
There's an they are an abstraction. But until you do it when it benefits home, you. Right. And but until it hits home, until it it affects somebody you love or or somebody that you know in a meaningful way that you actually fucking care about, it seems like the overwhelming majority of the population fundamentally lacks the capacity or at least hasn't um, taken any meaningful steps to nurture that capacity. And again, our society is very much built on that disconnect because unity amongst the population is a powerful thing. Yeah. And it's it's much more difficult to manipulate a population that's unified and expresses empathy in a one-to-one-to-one-to-one basis than it is individuals that only express empathy within the the realm that they've created for themselves. That makes sense. That makes sense. Mark, what about, where do you stand on it? Uh, that was really well said, man. And um, yeah, I agree. Can, can, uh, like it, it ignited a lot of things in my mind that some of which we've touched upon um, in the past, but some of which I'm starting to hear people in the public um, uh, articulate much better or more precisely or from different refreshing um, perspectives, just like Chris did. And man, that individualism one is uh, one I just heard someone mention recently as well. We, we're so we're so individualistic that this this the coronavirus is sort of the result of our our hubris in a way, you know, the way we carry on with such uh, demand on growth growth driven economics based off of like the type of capitalism that benefits the individual, you know, uh, all of that leads to the the reason why you got things like wet markets because we don't we don't put limits and check ourselves in the economy in, in ways that make sure that everyone has a certain amount of resources available that they can compete for. And so they don't have to go to extremes like eating bats or something like that or creating situations where countries depend on uh, cer- certain types of cuisines that are, are really hard to keep sanitary and things like that. Like, yeah, I think I think that the social distancing and the mental distancing is exactly as Chris described. And as we've been saying recently um, on, on the podcast, I think it's a feature. I would like to say a, a feature of our human psyche, if you will. It's it's not like most people are lacking or whatever. Just all people, their minds work that way. And what comes to mind, what comes to my mind when after what Chris just described is I wonder if people that are religious or practice um, missionary work all the time, if they a little bit have a higher sensitivity and less of that disconnect, because I have observed that um, in people that have went overseas or gone to um, the islands, uh, what's the one, Haiti to do work or uh, Uganda and did work, they're, they're never the same again. And that gives me a little bit of hope in that maybe this wake up call amongst other ones will lead us to practice or in um, enculturate uh, techniques to keep us a little more sensitive and a little more aware um, in regards to that so that we don't have that that distancing. Um, I'm here in in suburbia, Nashville, you know, 15 minutes outside of Nashville, and I'm seeing it. Everyone's garage is popping open and they're getting sunlight and we all got a treadmill in the garage and we all got 
a flat screen. We, like it's all no one is outside talking to each other because we're supposed to keep social distance, but we're also very equipped to be isolated and individualistic, you know, and that happened before the, the need to be before the mandate, you know? <laughs> sure. That makes total sense. No. Um, before we go, Mark, I think your, your mic is taking in a lot of the peas and stuff like that. I don't know if you need to like space it away from you or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but, it's yeah. real close to me. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Bring it further. Take it further away from you. Okay. Yeah. I had it super close, like right underneath my chin. Now it's, oh, now yeah. it's like, now it's like one foot away. Go like two or three feet. All right. I think the gain is all the way at the bottom. Now it's yeah. a foot and a half. Yeah, you're good right there. So what I wanted to talk about, and this really does fall in line with the theory that that really inspired this episode. It's called construal level theory. And it's a theory in social psychology, and I'm just reading straight from it, uh, that describes the relation between psychological distance and the extent to which people's thinking about objects and events is abstract or concrete. The general idea is that the more distant an object is from the individual, the more abstract it will be thought of, while the closer the object is, the more concretely it will be thought of. In this theory, psychological distance is defined on several dimensions, temporal, spatial, social, and hypothetical distance being considered the most important. Though there are, um, though there is some debating um, uh, among social psychologists ab about further dimensions like informational experience, experiential or effective distance. Now, I want to really talk about the, the hypothetical part of it this hypothetical distance and, and how the news and the media and all these other things play a part in that. When you have something like hypothetical distance, it, it really essentially talks about how, um, and I'll just read the definition, fuck it. It says, it's another type of psychological distance described um, in the theory, hypothetically refers to the likelihood of an event occurring. A hypothetically near event is one that is highly probable, whereas a hypothetically distant event is one that is highly improbable. The distance in hypothetical di the distance in hypothetical distance has to do with how close to reality something is, and I think that how we treat a lot of our interactions, how we treat our preparation, our everyday life, really hinges upon this hypo this hypothesis, this guess, and this level of uncertainty. Uh, with that is being fed to us. You go through and you see a lot of people that are, I think maybe it even uh, describes the panic buying. You know, I think that there's a little bit of a distance from reality when you throw in something like the hypothetical uh, events coming or not coming. Um, and typically our society leans more towards uh, things happening just because humans in general don't like to feel left out. They don't even want the chance that they might be left out of something. An example of that is when they were talking about things like the bump stocks. And I talked about this in, an, in a previous episode. If you guys remember after the Vegas shooting, there was, you know, people were talking about removing bump stocks from guns and all this other shit. And so people went and panic bought shitloads of bump stocks for their, for their guns. And you talk about this when they, when there's a scare for guns, there's this hypothetical that that's looming over all of us and it does affect our distance from reality and i say distance from reality because sometimes all you have to think about is things like the abundance of resources and how logistics works like in something like this 
like you just have to think of the reality is for say something like toilet paper just think of how much you use in in a month why do you think you need to multiply that by 18 because of a hypothetical i think we we tend to distance ourselves from what's actually happening when we get a little scared so i wanted to sort of discuss a lot of that and then also talk about how just this the whole thing in general like social social distancing is affecting mental health as well so let's let's just keep continue to dive deeper into it well something that mark has spoken about it and it's great to have mark back and the three of us talking because there's a lot of stuff that like we could ping pong back and forth and like you know kalu you said like you know it we we sharpen each other, you know, and if, if it's something, if we come off with something that's useless, there might be a, a modicum of truth or a gem in amongst it. And the rest of us are able to identify that shit. But Mark has been very uh, cogent about pointing out that that humanity, us as organisms, Society, information, technology, all of it has outpaced our own physiology. And, and it's happened within a matter of fucking decades that this has occurred. There, as a species, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It, it's not built into our DNA to, to collaborate, understand, care, coordinate and be interdependent on one another on a global scale. It just fucking doesn't. So everybody in here is overstimulated and flying blind. It's like we just we just showed up here one day and everything is accepted as a reality. So I'm, that's a little bit different for me because you know, and it makes me think of our episode on on the greatest lie ever told. When I do believe that when you come from areas where there's a great abundance of resources, I truly feel like it's in my blood to not be individualistic. It just it doesn't seem right to me to be that way. No, I I don't I don't mean it it not being into our our DNA like it's not built into my DNA to be um, terribly individualistic either. Okay, but we also had an episode talking about the number of people that uh, what is the the number of people that you can effectively basically keep in your periphery like psychologically okay that's what i'm saying so outside of that 150 according to that theory everything by default is going to drift towards the abstraction Mm -hmm. that that 150 and even on the fringes of that 150 like that's that's a generous number for me personally because my my circle is super tight um i i serve a whole lot of people that i'm not super close with on a personal level but that's part of my finite number of fucks so like the pieces of me that i reserve yeah i might come off as a little bit of individualistic but the thing is is that i do not think a species like us is prepared to have global society. I don't think that we are prepared biologically as organisms and to really function in a meaningful way that isn't going to lead to eventual collapse. Yes. Um, and really quick, before you go deeper into that, I do want to 
if, if possible, sort of catch some of our listeners up when we talk about 150. So 150 is what's recognized as Dunbar's number. And it's a suggested uh, cognitive limit to the number of people with whom one can maintain stable social relationships. So people who you can talk to, call, reach out to or anything like that. And so that number, it originated back in the early, I think it was in like 1990s or something like that. And uh, let me pull up the thing. Okay, okay. So yeah, it was the 1990s. And so it says like, by using the average human brain size and extrapolating from results of primates, he uh, Dunbar proposed that humans can comfortably maintain 150 stable relationships. Dunbar explained it informally as a number of people you would not feel embarrassed about joining uh, uninvited for a drink if you happen to bump into them at a bar. So for a lot of this stuff that's going on, when we talk about 150 or if we continue to talk about 150 in this in this discussion, if – if none of the 150 in your circle get affected by this, you largely won't give a shit unless like your 150 start to care about it a whole bunch and then it might trickle down to you. But if not, it I, I just don't oh, think that's your brain's wired. Yeah, I just don't think your brain is <laughs> wired to give right. a shit about it. Right. And 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 again, I, I feel like that and I can only speak on our society because our society is the only one that I've been immersed in in any meaningful way, I think it's part of the equation to simultaneously keep us as interdependent as is possible, like this very precarious, delicate network of interdependence, organic solidarity from the sociological standpoint, where if one organ dies, the the larger system dies. But at the same time, where we have all of this actual logistical interdependency, we have maintained and actually probably bolstered mental uh, distancing as as time has progressed. As 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 we're going through the information age, it has allowed for again entities like Amazon. Anything mm-hmm. can be delivered right to your front door, and again we're. We're, we're not talking pandemic terms. We're, we're talking over-encompassing, assuming that the shit isn't hitting a fucking fan like it is. We have never been so helpless and interdependent, but yet so mentally distant from one another, so disconnected from the people next door, the people down the street. And... It's, it's really showing itself. Now, I will relate it to what's going on now because now that the shit is hitting the fucking fan, I think that, that now that social distancing, everybody is kind of shut in, everybody is on social media, um, whatever. I think in many ways, there ha- mental distancing is um, we're bridging the gap to a fucking degree. Um, We've got, for example, we've got a a governor that, you know, this situation has allowed us, you know, a lot of people are going star crazy and trying to figure out things to do because I feel like the overwhelming majority of us just stay in a constant state of overstimulation. So whenever that ceases to happen and we're left with ourselves, we're left alone with our fucking selves we're, we're kind of idle. We're like, well, this is the new fucking norm. What do I do? 
and now we're turning towards it's waking people up to the reality of things and it's unifying people in ways that it that it previously hadn't and using our governor as an example um and i'm as a as a motherfucker who has been historically very involved with politics i am so motherfucking over politics right now but i'm i'm super proud of our governor and i'm super proud of people being as objective as they have been about the information that or the words that are coming out of this man's mouth, how he's conducting himself, how he's addressing things. And it's less about, okay, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. And it's more about, okay, I'm a part of this, this community that is Kentucky. And then you, you scale that down. We have that. We have that here in Kentucky and we're fortunate enough to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to speak to people, um, you know, from a state where, they, they've shit the bed that they don't have the same kind of leadership as us. But you've got a lot of people that otherwise would have not the time nor the desire to bridge that gap and actually listen to what's being said. And they've got nothing better to do, for a lack of a better term, than to listen. And pe- things are really being observed and absorbed in a much more meaningful way than they historically ever fucking have been. Mm-hmm. It, it, it ever have been my ass. I mean, in in our lifetimes, in my opinion, and and I think also at the same time, we're making a move subtly. Uh, I see people making moves back towards things that are mechanical solidarity. Mm-hmm. They are they are community based because largely it's it's been left up to communities to address these issues when the shit isn't hitting the fan we have the luxury of believing that there's this blanketed large over-encompassing network that that you know we can get anything that we want at any time we can go wherever (laughs) we want to and now that we've we've been stripped of that fucking luxury i think it's what it's it's opened some some folks eyes up you know that makes me also think of i think it was mark that said um, the the amount of how close we are in terms of levels of of humanity we are to people that are in jail. And you said just yep. take away two or three yep. comforts like when you can go to bed or uh, yep. when you can eat or exercise and you see people lose their minds. Take away people's ability to leave the state. Most Some people that don't even leave the state. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And And you know, they just had this travel ban and you're like, okay, take something like that away. And you see how much people start to react when people say something like you can't stand six feet near people. Like I hear people getting pissed off, like at, at the grocery stores, if you're standing Mm -hmm. close to them, you know, and granted, yes, it is for your health, but like you also see people try to challenge that. And they joke about that kind of stuff. Like, it is it's so weird seeing how how different humanity is when you or at least american humanity or american uh thoughts on the just our oh, mindset lack is, thereof lack thereof depending on who you are yes if you take away those little freedoms right there yeah man it's great it, yeah it's it's crazy you wonder and it's definitely some of it is american because i've heard it said before that one thing people uh find um uh, 
unusual when they travel to South America is that they don't have an idea of distance like we do in America where we all don't want each other. And you will, and people think someone's like trying to pick your pocket or something when they're in Mexico City because they will stand so close to you in line like to get a refreshment or something that they're touching mm-hmm. you, but they just don't, they don't have that sense like we do in America where we all want our own little individual space and it's a lot of space. Like mm-hmm. we want people arms linked away from us and we have the situations, concerts and things like that where we uh, suspend that uh, agreeably. But um, yes, what people find that they can't tolerate has a lot to do with, yeah, the cultural sensibilities that are, uh, you know, specific to uh, the Western world, and you have to, you have to imagine that everyone's that effect must be different all over the place. But I can also imagine that that effect is most pronounced in America because we have to be the most spoiled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh with, yeah. With regard to individual sensibilities, so whatever we're getting upset about is really interesting because I bet there's some places that there aren't even like, oh, this is no big deal. We can, we can switch switch gears uh, and get in line. And that's something that I've heard said on a podcast I listened to recently that's so cogent. I'll, I'm not gonna say it on here, but um, I'll, I'll message it to you guys. But man, some people are saying some things much better than I can say them, but that I've been thinking a long time. And they're talking about regards to, in regards to places like China or Singapore and people that responded marvelously to this and, and what it's saying to us globally and why it should be interpreted by us citizens as we, we we gotta do better with our leadership. We have to replace these bozos who for the same very reasons that we may have found ourselves in this situation with coronavirus are incompetent and incapable of, of executing the, the station that they hold because everyone's an individual. And what example was given was the example of how a certain general and Pelosi and everyone now they're, they're acting just like the problem I have at the corporation I work at. They're acting like short-term results are are the only thing that they can they can spend their energy on. For example, like they're acting like the the CEO who has a dilemma of knowing that it's bad for America to export work to China, but being the CEO, his job is completely to do whatever's best for the uh stockholders what are they called the shareholders shareholders you know what i'm saying and we have that on a macro scale and a micro scale everyone is so fucking individualistic that we no longer know how to be subordinate to anyone Mm. and we no longer know how to like follow the rules and i found myself doing it i didn't until just yesterday say wait a second i gotta stop going out for these joy rides i go out for every day well at least the shopping and shit getting some fresh air is cool but like yeah i've been going everywhere you know and yeah. I didn't realize that there was a they had raised the bar like they they they're going to continue to do as we try to flatten the curve. And now they've got not just social distancing, but they only let so many people into the store everywhere now. I don't yes. know if you guys yes. are, they've turned right. that on at Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was out looking like an idiot. I was like, damn, everybody's got masks on. I didn't know that was the new thing. I didn't watch any news. I'm sitting here watching fucking Korean street food videos on YouTube. And I'm like, damn, I gotta, I gotta tighten up, man. Let me see what I can do. So I started just messaging everyone I know and checking in on them and stuff. But my point was, China is uh, showing to us we got our shit together, like, mm-hmm. and, and that's a, that's an interesting and scary thing to think about because we could be our own undoing. The magnitude of this pandemic will 
without a doubt be multiplied by how selfish and unorganized and unself-sacrificing we are, you know, as Americans and and all of that. Don't you think? Well, we lack character. I, I think, yeah, the, dude, I, I really think that our generation, the three of us, at the ages that we are, we saw the transition, that tail end transition from yeah. when we were growing up, when we was young, there there was talk and there was emphasis on building character. And yeah. as I've gotten older, I don't I, I really don't hear much about motherfuckers caring about building character. And, no. and and that being a meaningful part of being a complete human being. Think about yeah. a think about a child. It it doesn't it doesn't matter how exceptional the child is. Um, we'll say the child is exceptional, excels at X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But you you do nothing but but give positive feedback, encouragement, reinforcement, mm-hmm. and give that child anything that they want. What's going to happen when they encounter adversity? They're not going to fucking yeah. They're not going to know what to fucking do with it. Yeah. And that's what that's what's happened with our society. Us as Americans, we've been told that we're fucking great without yeah. having without having to yeah. earn it. It's been drilled into us, especially over the past twenty or thirty years. We've been told we're great without any kind of evidence of it. We've been given everything that we could ever want, even. Even people of relatively low SES are pretty satiated on a lot of motherfucking levels in the oh, United yeah. States. And mm-hmm. and then the moment we encounter fucking adversity, we don't know what to goddamn do with it. Yeah, and, man. I, and I think that, that that's part of it. I think our society has raised a spoiled child of a population. And now yep. you have people you have you have people that are relatively informed informed enough that have had the struggle and they're they are taking things seriously then you have people that have had everything fucking handed to them and have got to do whatever they wanted to their whole fucking lives told they're great never really had to struggle on any meaningful level and they feel like they're being accosted because yeah. and, and, and not accosted by the coronavirus or COVID-19 they're being accosted by by some other entity, some regulatory entity. I don't like being told what to do. Bitch, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, this ain't about you. And and again, to, to Kalu's point, that's that mental distancing. They you cannot be tapped in mentally and feel empathy and and have character on any meaningful level if you haven't done the fucking work. And I think we've got an entire society that's built on being emotionally stunted. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I wanted it, to it, make it, one it's predicated on it. Yeah. It's I, just, it, our society is predicated on being emotionally stunted and it's gotten worse and worse. Like American culture in general is like, and, and we can talk about hegemonic masculinity and the patriarchy or whatever. That's a global fucking thing for the most part. But in America, it doesn't matter if you're male or female or whatever. It's this emotionally fucking stunted, arrogant man. I was watching entitlement. This, I was watching this show, dude. And uh, to that to that point, uh, just to add some fuel to what you, what you're saying, like I was watching this show and I was like, I can't believe this is happening again. But 
there was a show where they're portraying computer programmers. And that's, you know, that's a lot of TV right now. And I was like, all right, let's see how good this show is. It looked like a little psychological thriller, it had a little t- different angle to it, it looked mysterious. And um, and sure enough, it was like that. It was kind of dark and moody. But the 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 main characters were, were all that same, like, I'm half on the spectrum kind of personality, Asperger-y thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why are they doing that like it's fashionable? These people that can't handle any kind of emotional or pressure, any situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like, why does TV keep portraying that? And the TV show is called Devs. It's about developers. Yeah. Like, like people programming and some, you know, some stuff, some drama going on at this, at this company. I was like, this shit is ridiculous. Like they, they portray that like it's a virtue. The kid encounters something, he finds something in the code, really dramatic or whatever. That's you know part of the core plot of the show, and he like runs and vomits. I was like, what is these? Why are these guys such wimps? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like. But when you said that, predicated on em- being emotionally stunted, it's being. Uh, like portrayed as a virtue, even like it's built it into. It is. It it's is. We're crazy. rewarded. Our society fucking rewards this. I've got. You know, you put bl- the the blinders on a horse, so it just keeps pulling the cart and going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our society reinforces and rewards that type of mentality that is yeah. so immersed in their own world of consumption and production, consumption and production, that their reality is their profession. And we've talked about it a whole lot on the show about how American culture is really one of the only ones on the planet where we define our identity by our fucking job, by what we do to make money, make a living. And I'm not saying that that's not part of who we are. Yes, I am a civil servant and that's very much who I am, but it's ex post facto. I, I, I got, I was attracted to civil service because of how I was raised, what I experienced as a child. Um, multiple generations of my family have been civil servants. Those values were instilled in me and no part of me is like the, the objective here is, is to, to consume, make more, be bigger, accrue resources, develop, do this, make yeah. this move. And it's all superficial. And you know, then like I want to make I, a real quick comment, Chris. Yeah, like, go ahead. Sorry. So man. there's 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 two things. So one thing is um I, I agree with you guys about what we're saying with um with a lack of character and, and stuff like that. You know, I've was I've been working with uh, or last weekend I worked with my neighbor and uh, with distance, of course, like his son wanted to uh, is thinking two years in two years, he's going to need a car and he's going to need money for that. And so I told him, I said, look, I'll I'll put you through the ringer if you want to know some stuff about how to get money and how to um, make it and stuff like that. And we were all talking like when we were kids, we were mowing lawns and all sorts of shit. But one of the things that that I that I was telling him is like rule number one: you have to know your worth. That's one thing that isn't taught to a lot of kids. And I said, "All right, you're gonna you're gonna mow, you're gonna pick up all the pool toys and all this other shit. Like pick up all any sort of trash, anything from my backyard. You're gonna pick it up. You're gonna organize it. You're gonna put it somewhere. Mow the lawn. All this other stuff. And this is an agreement I had with his dad." And I said, you're going to tell me how much it's going to cost you 
how much this whole thing is going to cost. And I was like, rule number one, if you, if you want to make it anywhere, you have to know what your work is worth. And so, you know, to do all this, this will take, it's probably took him like three and a half hours or so. And I was like, what is this worth? He was like $25. And I was like, 25 bucks. That's what you, that's what you're about to do. And he's like, yeah. And I was like an hour or just $25. And so he, he decides an hour. And I said, look, if you're going to do $25 an hour, you better do $25 an hour work. And so, you know, that was the whole thing of like showing, like, if you're going to make a promise to someone about something that you're going to, that you're going to do, you better deliver. So he goes through, he gets the work done and, you know, I pay him. And, um, but the, the fact, the point that I'm trying to get across is that there's a lot of us that have this same discussion about these generations not doing shit or whatever, or being babied and all that. But there's also a lot of us not doing the work to to break that cycle. We can sit here and talk all day about the problems that are within this society. And maybe being a civil servant isn't enough. Maybe me doing the shit that I'm doing isn't enough. Like, I think that part of that character that I believe that we are all taught is imparting some of that knowledge onto other people. Where instead now, I think we take the same stance as they do, where it's like they feel like they're too good to know anything but we also feel like we're too good to teach anything. And that's where I think we're going to continue having generations like the ones that we're complaining about. You're completely right. And that's why at work, when I'm dealing with like a 26 year old, I, I get them in the headlock and I say, you better name four Duran Duran songs right now. Or I'm taking the MacBook away from you. And that's how I build a relationship. Look, I mean, it's do, true. Do, it's that it's we have to do it on that type of level with people. Do you all know what what colored overlays are? Are you familiar with what a col- colored overlay is? Yeah, no. in Photoshop. I was going to well, say, I don't think he's talking Photoshop, but it, it, well, it, 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 I'm not, I, and I didn't even think about <laughs> fucking Photoshop. I'm, I'm talking about because I'm from you know like mental health and things like that. It's colored overlays as they pertain to dyslexia. Mm. No, so, well, co- colored overlays are basically sheets. They're transparent sheets of different colors that um, are, again, colored overlays that are placed over whatever um, item is being read, and they help facilitate um, reading on the part of the dyslexic. Um, and, and I'm not super savvy about what what mechanism facilitates that but it has a way of bridging that gap the, that colored overlay has a way of of piecing together what otherwise is this jumbled incongruency um i think kalu talking about knowing your worth that is an exceptional thing and i and i think that it's a delicate fucking balance and i think it's been since the boomers since the fucking baby boomers, it's it's just our system has just become this fucking this nonstop like okay, no looking back. It's we're going straight yeah. forward, and we're not thinking about what what we're leaving in our wake or anything like that. Yeah, but the, the the idea of knowing your worth is is incredibly fucking important, but. As in something else that we've touched on in a previous podcast, that we have to make, in my opinion, 
I think that a fundamental element of starting to build character and self-actualizing is the acknowledgement that we are simultaneously nothing Everything and, and, nothing. and nothing. Yes, I was hoping are. you were going to say that, man. Yeah, bro. We, we have to come to that fucking understanding. So that understanding, the, the, the crystallization of the understanding that we are everything as an individual, we are everything and basically infinitesimally minute and nothing simultaneously is akin to that colored overlay for the dyslexic. So mm-hmm. we all are emotionally in this state of dyslexia. Emotionally, we don't know. We, we're stunted. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to allocate it. Our empathy's fucked up. Mm-hmm. But if you find your center and you are able to to yeah. be alone, be be alone with yourself, sit sit in yourself and with yourself, and make the acknowledgement that you are both of those things at the same time. It does bridge that incongruency. The same way that yes. those colored overlays help somebody make sense yes. of what otherwise would just be jumbled letters. And when you have that cover overlay, I think it's going to shorten the distance that you have within the rest of the world. Like, just like you said, we just have a problem of not being able to see it. So if our 150 or our Dunbar's number is not affected by anything dealing with coronavirus, that colored overlay is going – think of the covered overlay being like the internet. You know, because that does give you insight into the rest of the world if you're doing it right. You know, I think it does give you uh, that it does put a little bit of a filter, if you will, to allow you to see. You can see the shit going on in Italy if you want to. You know, you can see the shit going on in China if you want to. To a degree. To a degree. Yeah, China maybe not. But I will say Singapore, I 100 percent believe Singapore whooped. COVID-19's motherfucking ass because Singapore is arguably the most advanced civilization on the fucking planet. Yeah, and they have the benefits of, 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 of like liberty and freedom and control over the populace that we wouldn't tolerate in a in oh, America, so absolutely. They can execute absolutely. on shit in amazing ways. Hell yeah. <laughs> Singapore is, and, and a lot of motherfuckers can't, don't, don't even know a Americans don't know what Singapore is. That Singapore is a country, much yeah. less how fucking amazing yeah. it functions as a society. China, on the other hand, all the freedoms there, but they also, like like Market said, has all the control. Like, yes, you can you have fast internet. You you can expose yourself to everything. But fuck up one time in Singapore and you will get caned well, or you will get killed. Like, and, that's and, just and how it me, is. Well, and, you know, there there are a few things like every once in a while I'll uh, I'll come up. You know, I didn't I didn't spend an enormous amount of time with my daddy when I was young, but he did leave me with some some pearls of knowledge that like as I've gotten older, I'm like, damn, that makes a lot of sense. Like I mentioned on a previous podcast that my father always told me. A friendship has to be kept in constant repair. Well, yeah. Earl also told me, and this is not an this isn't specifically Earl Kilborn that come up with this shit, obviously. I think that this is a pretty common thing. With great power comes great responsibility. Or with freedom comes responsibility. So mm-hmm. Earl, anytime I interacted with him, Earl would let me do whatever the fuck I wanted to. I was running around, I was eight, nine years old. 
it's unfathomable when I see eight and nine year olds that I interact with now, like, you know, it, just family members or, you know, whoever. Imagining my little ass at eight or nine running around down in our ancestral homeland with a pistol on my hip. Dog, I believe. Bowie knife. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I had that Rambo knife. Look, I would stay out so late when I was nine that I would be scared to walk home because it was dark and I was so far from home. And it was just one of my cousins or one of the big kids nearby would just walk me home because I would be like so. Go ahead, finish what you're saying. But yeah, man, I can't believe the shit I was doing when I was nine years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and gone. That, and, and that's the thing is that that was part of. And I don't know, I don't know where the disconnect happened. And I don't know if this, again, it's specific to us because the three of us have had to struggle and we have had parents that, look, I've got bigger things to worry about than having to wipe your motherfucking ass every step of the way. I'm going to need you at your age to take some accountability and accountability was fostered. I would imagine in all three of us at a, in an early age. So mm-hmm. Earl Kilborn was like, here's a six shooter. Here's your holster. Here's your belt. Here's your goddamn machete, your knife. I'd walk around with a 22 bolt action and I was gone. Son, I had my little headlamp and I was running around at Lucas by myself in the fucking woods doing my thing late at night. Like Mark said, I go out, uh-huh. I'd hear coyotes. <laughs> And I felt alive, bro. I felt fucking alive. But you know what? I Mm -hmm. did not abuse that shit. Because Mm -hmm. I'm like, that that feeling of of just being on the edge. Like, man, if I fuck up, I not only not only is Earl gonna beat my ass to death, but legit, I might motherfucking die out here. I'm out here on my own on this shit. And and that's part of the thing is not ever having to experience the struggle. And as a society, having and I'm not talking about I'm not I'm not gonna shit on the young people. I'm not gonna even shit on like the generation directly below us, the twenty somethings, like people will be like, well, they don't even know how to change a tire or whatever. I'm talking about American society at large, the people that are still alive today. We've all been spoon fed this this narrative that we're great. And we haven't had to fucking earn those accolades. Mm -hmm. We've been told we're great and we've been satiated beyond Mm -hmm. any, any civilization in the history of humanity. We, it it basically amounts to magic. It it is magical for things that we have access to. Mm -hmm. And, and it has been instead of, you know, and this is a long time ago in the podcast acceptance versus expectation yeah accept versus expect and americans are not good at fucking acceptance yeah they're great at expectation though yeah how do we how do you think our expectations are shifting or or our level of acceptance is shifting during this time right now. I think that, and again, we we borrow heavily, or I do at least, from Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I think it's an easily digestible thing to look at. But I think we have been knocked down a peg with yeah. the hierarchy of needs, where you know I feel like eminence in American society is that tier just below self-actualization, 
where it's uh, esteem. Mm -hmm. We we that that is viewed in American society. Things associated with esteem are viewed as the pinnacle of who you are as a human being, rather than the tier above, which is self fucking actualization. And yeah. um, oh, I, I, I think I us be. Go ahead. Can I, can I ask you something like along yeah. those lines? And it's it's a it's like a meta tangent, nothing to do with this topic. And then hell, maybe even me making stuff about my. I'm just again. I'm just glad but, to hear your voice, man. <laughs> well, man, like you talk about steam and all that, because I know exactly what you're saying, and I wonder sometimes, like, all right, I just have to get to it. I've been having a situation lately where people. People like that they will inquire something. All right, let me ask this. At what point, maybe y'all have experienced this, or maybe you're not, at what point is like your material possessions or whatever your occupation is, what at what point is that that like not appropriate to talk about or share with people? Because I don't remember that switching, that switch switching over for me. I've always, I was raised in poverty and, you know, always had the struggle and stuff. So I don't think very much of material things, but I'll indulge in material things if I have the opportunity to. Like, but me and Kalu were talking about this the other day. Like if the, if the fecal matter collides with the rotary oscillator, like I don't, mind. <laughs> like I'll be all right. I'll be fine. right. Right. Like, I know how to make it in Bowling Green. I, like, you know, I don't take it all. You just switch gears. Yeah, yeah, very easy. But like some people, I don't know. I was talking to these people a few houses down, and the dude was like, "Oh yeah, oh well, you you go ahead, you with your with your job and everything and your salary and all that." I was like, "Why do people do that?" What mm -hmm. what I was talking about was like I didn't think. Like I know a lot of people are displaced, and you know lost their work and things like that, but. I don't know, like, I, I've been encountering this thing where everyone is, I'm trying to speak to that gross thing that you you were just describing, um, Chris, like, everyone is so wrapped up in their identity being what they've accumulated, and mm -hmm. I look like that, because I'm, 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 I'm indulgent like that, I eat sweets too much, but I don't. I don't feel that way inside. Like I know this shit ain't nothing. You want me to? You want me to tell you what off cuff? What what I think? Uh, what what I would make sense of where you're at in relation yeah. to where everybody else is at with that bullshit? Yeah, it's a fucking joke to you. It's not to be taken seriously. Like like material possessions, you got them and you yeah. can get them and you know how to work them, but fundamentally. Yeah. Even with that, you have the understanding, man, this is all plastic. This yeah. is all superficial fucking things. That, and, and it can be gone like that. And a lot of people don't. Accomplished, though. When, when, like, when does it happen? Because I'm trying to figure out, Tim, what did I miss out on? I have a little bit of an unorthodox approach to my adult life. I went to college backwards, you know, where everybody was going to get the four-year degree. I was wandering around at the two-year college and then I finished, you know what I mean? I did everything kind of out of order. So I'm like, did I, when did I miss this thing where everyone is so like goddamn superficial and they don't have, and you know how I can- I think always, it's how you grew up, man. It, it, okay. Well, I just didn't, I just need to hear from someone else because I mean, like, damn, I thought most people were that the way I am. Like, this is hilarious. I've always said since I've been down here, every time I talk to someone, Nashville is completely artificial. Like, I don't know what the economy is based on. 
like it makes no sense. It's just the flight from other failing economies, economies, namely on the coast, right? That there's creating the growth here, but there really ain't no other re- reason why it should, what, the Titans? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no real reason why it should be exploding like it is. It's just people running from failed, li- like, economies in other parts of the states. And what what I'm, I, I'm thinking everyone is aware of this already. You know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. shit ain't gonna last, and it might be about to happen soon. But I just wanted to ask you as a tangent, but something that a couple of things have been said uh uh, t- today it made me think about like when when it happens in your mind because you think really like take you said seriously you said you know in a, a long time ago and I think that th- this is related to what's going on right now uh, because I, I think that how you grew up does have a, a me- does have an effect on how you mentally distance I think that you know one of the things that you said uh, obviously was a lot of poverty and you were you grew up with a lot of people you also had a mom that had you guys reading books about like horoscopes or like Zodiac and all that, like just all sorts of abstract metaphysical things were for a lot of people. Like you knew about other religions before probably other people did. And so most people's lives were very, very linear, if if you will. And then whenever you, um, uh, whenever you got into school, you were like, "Uh, it's, it's one thing, but for the rest of the rest of people, like, it was like you go to school because you're wanting to get this job to make a bunch of money and do all this other shit. Like that's how it was, and I think that you, yeah, that makes sense. In a in a sense, you did you went to school because you wanted to. A lot of people went to school because they had to. Like yeah. that was there was that, that social sense. pressure right there. Y'all, yeah. y'all, I, and I gotta just get this off my chest because I'm yeah. not gonna be able to focus if I don't get this off my chest. A tiger at the Bronx Zoo just tested positive for COVID nineteen. Whoa, a tiger! I thought it came from animals anyway. I mean, so does it, that mean it's mutated? I don't that, think it's mutated. That, it's, it's, it would, that's that's what can happen though. Is it can oh. jump from a species and then it can mutate within that species and then jump back out. And then we're even if we've got a fucking vaccine. The vaccine that we have isn't one that's associated with this new manifestation of it. But the fact that it's, we knew it was zoonic, we knew it was zoonic, but we didn't know to what extent. So now we're looking at, we're looking at uh, animals in general being vectors of passage, whereas the fucking flu, things like that, you ain't got to worry about, uh, you know, your dog, your cat whatever fucking passing it to you yeah so but just, you think I of gotta, like MERS you think of bubonic plague you think like all that kind of stuff I mean there it, it, it's I don't think that that's like uncommon or something like that if you will it's it's it, it, a lot well, of that but, stuff happened but but when you mentioned bubonic plague bro it wiped out like <laughs> an enormous swath of the global population yeah in, in so the we're, 1400s I know and so fact, is there no cause for concern but we're no, that's not what I'm saying. But we're struggling with this shit in modernity. We're struggling <laughs> with this monkey in modernity. And now to know that a feline can have it, I mean, the, the hypothesis was that it came from a bat. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other type of, of things. It, I don't know about y'all, but I don't be like touching bats on a regular fucking basis. Like, bats ain't a big part of my existence. But a lot of people got cats and dogs and shit. Here, so here's one passed. thing, though. In in a zoo, it's a very a zoo is not nature. 
it is a very controlled environment. Um, being that my head kind of wanders on slightly fucked up, you you would have to if, to go quick and sort of be, I guess, ruthless about it. You'd call the entire zoo, and that's how I would sort of treat something like that. Well, just the fact that uh, both humans and felines can have this shit. Yeah. Think think about again. Now you're looking at cats, dogs. Like previously, that wasn't part of the discussion that you got to worry about if you got an outside cat that it's going over at the neighbor's house and get to COVID and bring that shit over. Mm-hmm. It's it's a whole other fucking thing. Social distancing doesn't make a fuck when you're talking about the rest of nature. We can do everything fucking right on our end, and then you go outside and you got cats and dogs and shit with it. But anyway, I, I just had to get that off my chest because I was like, I, I just got that information. Like, she walked in the room with this shocked look on her face and was and had to tell me. So I was like, God damn. But, I think, um, but think of it with... Like this definitely plays into what we're talking about with mental distancing and with the construal level theory is if it doesn't, you know, because it does kind of affect, if you will, or potentially affect when you talk about the hypothetical distance, if it does affect that 150 and that 150 could be, I think within that 150 number are our animals, um, then yes, I, it's, it certainly becomes more and more real and what you do with that, you know, hypothetical distance um, can really guide the way that you perceive the world and continue on doing whatever it is you're doing, whether you're preparing or you're staying safe or anything like that. If if this gets crazy enough, again, playing on hypothetical distance, people people might off their animals, man, because they they're going to be that, scared. But that's the thing too. I, that that adds an entirely new variable to this whole fucking scenario. Because think about um, lot cattle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, swine flu. How they handled shit with swine flu. That was brutal, bro. Yeah. And if this is so zoonic that, and again, they talk about bats. Now a goddamn tiger at the Bronx Zoo. Like the implications for it being that transmittable it complicates things a whole lot more and it's not so much about you know offing my animal like i i ain't gonna do this shit like if mine gets it then i probably already got that shit anyway but yeah i'm just examining all food food supplies man like think about an entire the herd gets it it goes down we're looking at food shortages already because we're talking about farm workers like them not being able to work or then them getting infected. Now you're talking about our livestock potentially getting infected. But anyway, I'd like to reroute back to more. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and the, the, what, what unorthodox, potentially unorthodox elements of uh, our lives, specifically Mark's life has led him to this point where he does, he is on par or, or beyond, beyond the pale compared to his peers but he isn't defined by that well and I, yeah i think thanks for bringing it back and i already i mean you guys answered it i was just, it was just a little a little thought i had and i just feel like i'm in 
I'm in an interesting, I'm, I'm in an experiment or in a tier of this whole uh, social experiment unfolding that sometimes I made myself even forget that I'm in because I don't, I don't, you know, I never, I never thought about it that way, but I guess that's all I was trying to say, offer some perspective from this, this crazy rat race that I'm in right now. Well, to be honest with you, I think it correlates at least to some degree with the concept of the Cronus complex, because again, each one of us that's talking here, it is built into, and I, I was socialized into it as well, but I would wager to say it's built into our fucking DNA to take pride in what we are, devoid of any material asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so, right? like like me being a Melungeon, me me having the ancestors that I have, me having the physicality that I have that was handed to me. I I'm more proud of that. I'm I'm more proud of this vessel and this mind that I carry with me. That the only way it can be denied of me is, you know, ailment or death. I've still got this shit. You can lock me up, but I've still got my mind and I've still got my fucking body. Um I I I think that we define ourselves again. We define ourselves by what we are, who we are, and not what we do or what we have. And I don't know, again, I don't, I, it's hard to fucking say, you know, the Kronos complex could play a role in it, that, that people don't know what to, certain demographics of individuals don't know what to do with themselves outside of the notion of, dominate accrue and control like when i go like there's a dichotomy like mark you you talk about like the some some folks desire to go and like climb mount everest to go out camping and do all that kind of shit there is and i see it like the trophy hunters and that kind of shit to dominate nature whereas my people when i go i become it when i step when i step into it my identity ceases to fucking exist. I'm I I'm one fluid element in it. Like and again, I the worries, concerns, everything they they just go. It's simplicity. It's yeah. my understanding that I am a part of this larger system. Whereas defining yourself based upon a artificial man-made system. I think is going to invariably at some point encounter something that doesn't necessarily sit well with us as a species. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. So guys, we we are at an hour and eight minutes. And just for the sake of time, let's let's wrap it up. And I want to just get some final thoughts, like give me a closing statement or something that can really put a bow around this episode. Well, um, my what I, what I would like to do is, well, while people have the opportunity to sit and and be alone and sit with themselves, sit really, really face themselves. Um, don't motherfucking run from it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pain is part of growth. Uh, 
And if you're experiencing that pain, and again, I'm not trying to be pan applicable with all of this, you know, mental health issues are mental health issues, and I'm not going to downplay those whatsoever. But otherwise, pain is an indispensable part of fucking growth. So right now is the greatest opportunity you are being afforded right now amidst the crisis of our lifetimes, you are being gifted the opportunity to sit with yourself mm-hmm. and explore who you are and grow and reassess your values and what is really meaningful to you. Because you know what? This should acquaint you with how delicate, precarious, and temporary all of this shit that we have been taken for granted and accepted as a given actually is. And what you, what you really do have is yourself. You have yourself and your own personal fucking utility. And, and you have outside of that and outside of that, you don't, you don't really possess anything outside of that. The empathy that you possess or the love you have for other people is a part of you that you put outwards. It's empathy pushed outwards. It's still you, though. So use this opportunity. Check out Maslow's hierarchy of needs because we've been knocked down several pegs on that shit. And then and then understand your utility from the rudiments and not in terms of, oh, okay, um, I've been jettisoned into a society where I drive a vehicle, but I don't know how any of it fucking works. Mm-hmm. Man, learn how to learn how to learn how to fucking germinate something. Grow a garden. Uh, go hunting. Do some research. Forage. Fucking be an animal because we are animals. Be that. Got it, Mark. What about you, man? Did we lose him? Uh, no, I just uh, was trying to unmute. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, well, uh, I think I'm paraphrasing Jesus Christianity. Said the most beautiful thing that I think he he think, can think of is alone. He said it in that really weird way. He didn't say being alone, he just said alone. But I don't know what he meant. Maybe he has a weird way of phrasing things sometimes. But I feel I feel like like that's something that we have a good opportunity to to look at right now. Maybe grab a Jita Krishnamurti book or look at a video if you can, if you have the luxury of having the internet and YouTube and and um, examine the difference between being alone and loneliness and use that as a point of reflection right now while while it really really matters because it can make a big difference on how we carry on uh for the rest of this year yeah i think for me one of the things that really stuck out in this episode is that concept outside of what i was talking about is of colored overlays um this this entire situation was a very big covered overlay to a lot of stuff that I I needed to work on personally. Um, this week has been, I mean, I I'll be straight up been going through some shit, man, you know? And so it's been, 
it's been really good this time um, when I realized that the things that were the things that were stopping me from realizing the things that I need to work on personally, you know, like in in my marriage, all sorts of stuff. It's like it's because there was just so many other things that distanced me from seeing other people's viewpoints and seeing where um, where everyone needs to do work. And, oh, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. It's been really eye opening. And I've said it on multiple episodes that everyone's getting exposed right now, including myself. And, um, it's, it's brought, it's afforded me a lot of time to, to think and reason and stuff like that. And, and thankfully through, through doing the Salumas podcast, I now welcome those moments where, um, where I kind of take the, the life L if you will. And I sit there and I get to think and I get to ponder and understand and stuff. And that was it was really good, too. I, I had an even further lesson uh, in that when I when I went mountain biking this weekend, um, I, I absolutely wrecked my big ass, like flipped over my bike, bike flipped over me and uh, hit a rock, bent my crank and all that kind of stuff. And it's an expensive bike, but thankfully we were able to get it fixed. But it was a reminder that it is not. You know, it's it's not the bike that makes the rider. And I say that because we can use that interchangeably with other things. It's not the job that makes the person. It's not the the bank account statement that makes the person. It's not the amount of assets that makes the relationship. It's 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 you who make it. And no matter what is going on, coronavirus or not, people have lost the ability to to really take care of the things that are really important to them and it's just because like we have so many distractions going on and there's so many and it's it's just hard to really think about or even care and it's not a bad thing that it's happened it's just what the norm is in this society and so we are given an opportunity this is a this is a new opportunity for a lot of people for businesses for relationships all that kind of stuff and and really understand just like that theory says the the more distant an object or, or subject, if you will, is from an individual, the more abstract it'll be thought of. Like you can think, oh, this shit will never happen to me. I have all these other things going in the, going good for us or something. All that shit's right there in your face. And like, I, like I've been saying, we, got, we all got exposed, but this could be a good time for us to do some learning and some understanding. So I hope that everyone is taking the time to really do that. And, uh, you know, hopefully this mental distancing that we've all fallen victim to will be something that gets us closer to to that which is you know most important to us and that i'm not going to say what that is for anyone else you're always you're going to know what's important to you and so i, I just hope that whatever it is that's important to you you're absolutely you're actually able to work on during this time so do we have any shameless shout outs or anything like that for anyone um shit i just man i just want to give um uh, Absolutely, 100%. All the love, respect, and appreciation of the world, not just to um, our medical providers who are legit on the front lines of what amounts to a war against an invisible fucking enemy, um, a lot of which are falling as a result of it. Um, I also want to give shameless shout-outs to... um, People that are that are keeping us fucking fed right now, um, folks that otherwise uh, that very typical arrogant, 
I define my value and worth as a human being by uh, how uh, how meritous or illustrious my position is in society from a uh, vocational standpoint. Look down their nose at the dude that's stocking stocking the grocery store or um, any number of food service workers. Uh, I absolutely 100% hope, I hope that some of that fucking arrogance dissipates to some degree and there, there doesn't have to be some kind of massive tragic element in a person's life for them to acknowledge the importance of these individuals. Um, I'm not going to make it political. I just want people to know how important the jobs that these people do actually fucking are. And you can call it unskilled labor or whatever the fuck you want. They are, they're part of our backbone and they're keeping us afloat right now. So shameless shout out to all anybody that's on the front lines fighting this shit right now. Um, again, I always have to give a shameless shout out to the homie Tyler Young at Grade Eight Performance. It, he's he's turned this situation into an opportunity to train like a madman. He was gearing up to go to Ukraine. That's not going to happen. It, it not anytime soon. But I just saw him uh, hit. Uh, I think. Uh, a four at 730, 740 pounds, uh, four reps on his top set with the, uh, uh, fuck the frame, mm-hmm. uh, frame deadlift, you know, normally it's like something to take carry or whatever. I don't expect yeah, all yeah, listeners yeah. to know what the implement is, but man, shameless shout out to him. He's still, since he's not able to do things in person, um, and he's trying to stay busy, hit the man up. I know that plenty of y'all are at the house and, and he is a mad scientist and he can write you out a fucking program that you could lightweight do just with calisthenics. So reach out to Tyler Young, reach out to grade eight performance and use this as an opportunity to not only better yourself as a human being from a psychological and personal efficacy standpoint, but also just from a physiological and aesthetic standpoint as well. Well, Mark, do you have any? Uh, Chris said it uh, for me. Just uh, shout out to all the professionals and essential uh, workers that are keeping what little bit of normalcy and sustainability that we need right now. And shout out to all the people that are being mindful and taking the necessary measures to uh, exercise what's needed to to flatten the, the curve and help us get through what we're going through. Yeah, yeah, but you guys are, I mean, we're all essentially saying the same thing. I just want to get a little bit more granular with it. I do want to give a shameless shout out to the, uh, <laughs> you may not realize it, but the, the sys admins out there, the people running data centers, like, I don't, I don't think a lot of us realize just how deeply um, our society and our race for a cure relies on things like data centers. The, the way that the world has been able to share knowledge and to really be able to connect, it's thankfully because of people like the sysadmins and whatnot, you know, for us to be able to know what is happening in other countries and when people are like, hey, I've got a possible solution or a possible cure or something that might help to be able to send that over 
uh, th those are some of the things that we really take for granted. And um, so shout out to all those people that are really running that infrastructure and keeping other companies uh, running and to just to keep other people in general. Um, it, it's going to sound weird, but keeping some of those people satiated. Um, yes, things are are tough right now, but it would be even worse if the wrong people are losing their losing their shit. So thank you for keeping the pacifier in some of those people right now. That's the last thing that we need. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've got. Again, shout out to the first responders and the nurses and all the other people, especially like my wife who's a nurse. So um, yeah, guys, we're all gonna just like just like Daddy Andy says, we're all gonna get through all. We're gonna get through all this kind of stuff. And I'm glad that we're you and our the three of us are able to talk through objectively uh, and, and really get information out to our listeners and to each other. I think I've definitely left this, I'm leaving this episode having learned more. And so uh, we're, the only way to go is, is up, you know, just continue to gain knowledge and continue to, to push it through the grinder, especially when that thing that we're putting through the grinders ourselves. So thank you guys yeah. for listening. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, please be safe. Take care of yourselves and each other. Wash your goddamn hands. And we are out. Peace.